Well, 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 good evening, family. This is Dee Dee Banks, and welcome to my podcast, Dee Dee Banks at the Table. I hope all is well with each and every one of you uh, due to what's going on all over the world. We have to keep our eyes on Christ more than ever before because these days and times are going to get worse, family. And I just say, If we don't have a relationship with Christ, we will not survive this madness that's going on. I thank God today for this fabulous weekend that I just had. I turned 65 on August the 14th, and I had an old school backyard party and invited all the people that I knew in this area that loved me sincerely without any judgment anything other than a pure heart to love me and share that special occasion. And it made me so happy to surround myself with that type of love. But anyway, I um, had promised that I was going to be talking about um, two queens of the Bible, two famous, powerful queens of the Bible. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because of what's going on with us queens today and a lot of queens are lost and they don't know which way to turn which way to go and there's so much going on uh, with abuse with us mental abuse verbal abuse physical abuse and I just wanted to give you some insight about uh, the book of Esther Queen Esther and Queen Vashti Queen Vashti was the first queen uh, that was mentioned in the book of Esther and then the second queen was Queen Esther. And I just, I brought this message uh, to a church in August, 2020. And uh, that's when after the George Floyd situation was going on and President Trump was acting a fool and it was before he got kicked out and he was acting a fool with all his rubbish about running for uh, re-election. And and I just watched him the whole time and how he spoke about women when they would interview him and how he would call them ugly and fat. And he was, to me, setting an example for men to be cruel to us, uh, women of this world. And I didn't appreciate it. So I put together a message that that I had been hearing, different pieces of messages and things that were going on from different people. So I said, you know, maybe I want to talk a little bit about this, too. So, you know, I did this because of uh, the puppetry of misogyny uh, in this world uh, has had generations of women that are being that have been abused and and as I said they're continually being abused and violence against women and children they are at an all-time high I have never seen so many women that allow men to take advantage of them by beating them down mentally and making them feel that is it is okay to be treated any old kind of way women have been made to feel worthless and inferior to others, which lowers a queen's self-esteem in the home, on the job, in the church, in marriages, and the relationships. And it brings the woman to the state of mind that we are supposed to be subservient and a slave to this perverted male society. The multitude of voices have come together to dismantle the woman's self-image, our perspective, our self-worth, and our values. And the 
cold part about all this is that young ladies between the ages of 12 and 14 are being sex trafficked, trafficked by older men who target girls who are in foster care or they're immigrants looking for a better life. Girls whose parents are not active in their lives or girls who have run away from home. And when I talk to young ladies or even, or even adult women, they have told me stories about how they were molested or raped in their lifetime. In all these stories, I hear about women being molested by family members or women's boyfriends or even babysitters. I just, it just discourages me sometimes and I just have to keep praying and keep the faith because even little boys think it's okay to touch girls inappropriately in the schools or, or in the parks or anywhere they can and they, they haven't been taught how to respect girls. Men, they grab women inappropriately because they think that they have the right to touch us because they've seen generations of men treating girls and women this way. And it doesn't help that when President Trump disrespects women on national television by calling us names and groping them inappropriately. I was so happy to see the Me Too movement step up and call out all those abusers that had violated them. But it's still going on and more and more stories are coming out about this and as a nation. And we need to open up our mouths and keep using our voices and say no to them and no more. Well, I want to talk about two of the queens, like I said, and that face the same challenges that that women are facing today. God used these two queens in a mighty way to empower and and encourage them all, encourage us women all over the world. Women have been given favor all over the world, putting them us in positions that for many years only men have had. We as women, we're more educated than ever, bringing in incomes that allow us to take care of our families and educate our children. We We are now governors and mayors and senators and judges and engineers and astronauts and scientists. God has been really good to us. He's been so, so good to us because I never thought in a million years I would see the day that I see today on how God has opened up the doors of opportunities for us to rise up above all these things that we have been stepped on about and mistreated about. But we still have not been given the respect that we deserve. We're still struggling for respect. All these, we're still struggling Women, we're still struggling because I still hear it and I still see it every single day. So I want to just title my message to you today. It is, we have to open up, use your mouth, open up your, uh, speak your voice loud and clear and say no, no to this abuse, no for feeling like a second class citizen. We're not going to put up with this anymore. So I'm going to go on and go to the book of Esther. I got some notes here in front of me that I jotted down. And um, um, I'm going to talk about the book of Esther. Um, The book of Esther is is a very controversial book in the Bible because it's the only book in the Bible that there is no mention of God. But God used two powerful queens, Esther and Vashti, 
to shape the world for us women today. So I'm going to start in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. When King Xerxes was on the throne in chapter 1, he had just completed a military campaign that had given him rule over 127 provinces all the way from India to Ethiopia. And to celebrate his military success, he decided to host a party in the citadel called Susa for all the noble officials and military leaders of Persia. And that party lasted 180 days. He then decides that he wants to hold another banquet for seven days. And that was for the city of Susa. And it was a party like a party, 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 like no other party. And it was very lavish. It was a lavish party. Finest wines. You could drink all you can drink. They were not allowed to use the same uh, goblets that they were used. And the purpose of that party that King Xerxes wanted was he wanted the world to see his wealth that he had conquered. And he knew that he was in command and he wanted to throw a party so that he can show off. Now, according to the Persian custom, women cannot be in the same company when men are drinking. So his wife, the queen, Vashti, she decided to hold the banquet for the women. While the men were in the banquet hall, now Vashti had a beautiful face and a beautiful body. And the king decided that by her being so fine, so shapely, and such a beautiful face, that he wanted to show her off to these drunken men, because he was drunk. And he was just full of himself, and he wanted to show off his wife, his queen, to these drunken men. And he wanted to claim her as part of his property. He wanted to show people that this was his part, this was his property. You know how men do, especially these older men. They get these fine young women, fine young queens, and they want to show them off to other men because that's a badge of honor when you've got a young queen and you are old man and you want to show off your queen. Same, same thing today. And um, and so uh, he wanted to show her off to the drunken men with only her crown on. And Vashti told him no. So when he called for her, she said no. She refused to go and show herself. It may cost her her position, but she refuses to walk in that room and show herself like that. Vashti spoke up for herself and she said no. So many women today, we go to parties, events, on the job, etc. And we have dressed half naked or inappropriately dressed just for the attention of men to look at us and or to compete against the next woman to see how her body looks compared to theirs just to compete for a man or men that has no respect for them whatsoever. Now, I don't want to insult those who are being themselves and they choose to dress how they want to dress. I'm not knocking that. I want every queen to feel like she can be whoever she is. But sometimes when you dress very provocatively, um, men take it in a different manner. They have a hard time respecting us uh, when we dress in that manner. So um, it can be dangerous and risky, but if a woman knows who she is and knows how to stand up for herself, uh, 
and she understands the game and understands what the consequences are when you're dressed like that, I say go for it. It's all on you if you if you can deal with this, okay? So the call for Esther, it was to speak up for her people, but for the call for Vashti was to speak up for herself because in our lifetime, we will have to speak up for ourselves. We have to defend ourselves. We have to stand up for ourselves. And we have to open up our mouth and our own mind. Every now and then on our life, in, every now and then in our life, we have to stand strong and to stand up. And we have to have the courage to say no, no more abuse. No more making me feel that I am less than. And we demand respect. Because we as women, we must learn to say no because life is full of people. They will continually, they will continually, I promise you, take advantage of us for their own well-being. What we learn from Vashti is that God gave us the ability to stand on our own two feet and to open up our mouth and use our voices and say no. No to all these men who think they're all that in a bag of chips and that they have power and they think that they can do anything they want to to us. But God gave us the voice, ladies, to say no. King Xerxes, he wasn't embarrassed by his wife not coming to him when he called for her to come out naked and only with her crown on. He was mad because she had the audacity to say no to him. You never say no to a king. You never say no to um, uh, an abuser because they think that they can have that kind of power to do whatever they want to do. And because most men are used to being women being afraid and intimidated by them, they allow themselves to be taken advantage of. Yeah, we have allowed ourselves to be taken advantage of because we were afraid to say something. We were intimidated to say something because we didn't want to lose our jobs. You know, we wanted to keep the possessions that we had. We just we just kept things quiet and we let men abuse us. And King Xerxes, he was an emperor. He gets what he wants and people do what he says. He's a narcissist. But Vashti, Queen Vashti, she looked him dead in his servant's face when they came to get her. And she said, no. And when she said no, she humbled the king to recognize one real fact. And the fact was that he didn't control her and he wasn't uh, a pos- and she was not a possession to him that he had conquered. She did not allow him to feel that he had he, that she was a resource that he can control. You we must speak up for your ourselves and remind people around us that God did not create us for them to use at their disposal. We may work for different people, but we don't belong to these people. You know, we, we they don't own us. You know, we we go into these relationships, but they they can't treat us any old way. That does not give them the right to treat us any old kind of way. We want to be respected. We love people. We love men. We want to be married. We want boyfriends and relationships. But we have to love ourselves more, ladies. 
There's nothing more than loving yourself more than letting men abuse us. Amen. So we have to be careful about sacrificing our emotional well-beings, catering to someone else's delusion of power. I can't think of women who said this, but this woman said, I heard this somewhere, I refuse to be complacent in my own oppression. I refuse to participate in your disrespecting me or cosign on your abuse of me. I refuse to participate in my own demise or my own destruction. We need more Vashtis in the world who refuse to be complacent in their own oppression. God has called us queens to say no. And when Queen Vashti says no, she did something so critical. She, is esta- she established boundaries. She let them know that there is something about her that she refused to show everybody. She refused to get out and show those dirty men drunken men at that, her body. See, there's a lot of women, they get on social media, I see it all the time, and they show everything. They feel like they have to show everything about them, their bodies, and, you know, tell all their business. And and, and you have to learn that certain things as a queen, we have to keep private. We can't post everything. We can't show everything. You know, there's things about our lives that we should remain private. And until we become mature enough to understand how serious this is, we have to get that in our spirit and do that. You, you, we, you know, you don't have to live a life of uh, secrecy, which are hidden things. But privacy means that there are things that people are not worthy of seeing. Like Vashti, she refused to go into a room of drunken men because they do not need to see her nakedness because it would cause them to disrespect her. And the most dangerous thing that we can do as a woman is to let someone mistreat you with an inappropriate sense of familiarity. The more familiar people are with you, the more people feel that they can disrespect you. So every now and then, we must put on the crown like Vashti, and have that Vashti spirit and let the people know that they do not know you like that and they do not have the, the, the um, um, they have not been given the, um, oh my, the, the um, go ahead to disrespect us. Forgive me, it's hot out here. I'm sitting out on my patio, so I'm stumbling a little bit over my words. But, um, Every relationship that we are in with different people, it requires boundaries. Boundaries are a way to protect ourselves from disrespect and abuse. Vashti said no because she was fully aware of who she was and an awareness of self-worth will always cause us to reject anything that degrades us or devalues us or disrespects us. Vashti was a queen, but King Xerxes, his invitation was an invite for a concubine. And Vashti was thinking to herself, so we say, how can I be a queen if I answer to a call of a concubine? Queens do not say yes to a concubine invitation. I got that from somewhere. I heard that somewhere. And that is so true. 
There must be some integrity between you who claim to be and what you respond to. A definition of a concubine a spirit is a spirit of compromise, counterfeits, and crumbs in romantic relationship when God has promised you an entire loaf. So why take crumbs when God has a whole loaf for you? Now, Vashti is the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar, the former empire, emperor. She let them all know that she had too much queen in her to degrade herself to be disrespected. We are more powerful when you know you have royalty in your blood. We queens, we need to know where we come from. And if you do your background, your ancestry background, your DNA, you will find how powerful of a queen that you really, really are. But when we don't know where we come from, we don't know whose we are, which is which are queens of God. You know, when you don't know that, you just do any old thing. But when you do your history, when you read the word of God, most of all, God tells you in plain English how he feels about us and that we are queens and there are kings out there. But we have to shift through those uh, no good kings and get real kings. Amen. When King Vaste said no, all help. All hell broke loose. And I mean all hell broke loose. Because King King Xerxes, he feared what Vashti has been gifted with was influence. Vashti, when she said no, she knew who she was. And she knew that she was powerful. And he knew, the king knew that he had the power, she had the power to influence others. Vashti has influenced the nation and, and women after her will be influenced by her voice. King Xerxes and all his counselors know that women all around the empire would hear about Vashti and will be inspired to use their voice. And he was not having that. King Xerxes and his, his rulers, they're like, nope, we can't have people following behind Vashti because men thought that they were in control back then. Women were less than. So Xerxes, King Xerxes and his rulers, they had to create a law that was sent around the entire empire demanding husbands to rule their homes and rule their wives that they have to honor what they say large or small because women one woman you because of one woman using her voice and shook up the entire empire of Persia by saying no so they had to put that in place go around and put this order in place for every man to rule their homes and rule their wives mouths they can't say anything large or small they couldn't use their voice anymore or they would probably be kicked out or stoned to death The reason that there's a calling on our life is because we will never know the influence God has given us. We will never know how your voice can shape this nation. You never know 
how your words, our words, can resonate in the life of someone else. You will never know how yours in my exhibition of strength will give someone else strength. Vashti changed the nation that she lived in and her influence lives on after she is has lost her way her she lost her position Esther comes to the throne and Esther disobeys the king the same way Vashti did why did Esther disobey the queen because she knows what Vashti did Vashti not only changes the land she lives in but she influenced women after her Her voice not only shaped today, it changed the nation's tomorrow. When we use our voice, you not only shape the world you live in, but you might possibly be shaping the land that comes after you. Amen. We must get out and we must vote. We must vote like never, ever before. We got to teach our children to get out and vote, inspire our children to get out and vote. Because there's so many misogynists in this world, so many racists, so many uh, uh, narcissists, so many liars and cheaters that, and, and we have to stop that because they do not have, because they do not value themselves I bet it's just me talking that those same women have leading positions and do not respect their co-workers and friends and people around them you and I know that there are women in this country who who is who thinks and acts just like a narcissist because there is no way A queen would ever want to elevate a man like Donald Trump, a man of this type of character. So again, I say this to you ladies. How can we call ourselves a queen when we act like we have attributes of a concubine? A queen is a empathetic and she puts herself in other shoes to be able to relate and to help others through their struggles. A queen is someone who does not conform to what others think of her, but takes advice from others because she knows that she does not know it all. Okay? So a queen does not know it all. And a queen will admit that she doesn't know it all. That's why we all are queens. And when we know we're queens and we know who we are, And we have the power to say no. This will be a better world. We are so powerful that we as women can change the world. (laughs) It's real talk. We can change the world. So I want to end with this. Let's make a change. Let's stop all this misogynistic attitudes around this country, that world, not in this nation that men think that they can treat us any old kind of way. Look what's going on in Afghanistan. Women's rights have been, are being taken away once again. We're treading on troubled waters right now and 
The Lord is not happy. We're in this pandemic that will not leave us. We're dealing with this Delta virus, this Delta variant now. We got to deal with this. People are dying. Now babies are dying behind the Delta variant. Because a lot of people don't want to stick together and wear masks and, and do the right thing so that we can move on and get rid of this thing. But we are living in troubled times and the attitudes of people are really, really harsh and mean and and we have to get through this family. And my prayers are that we look at ourselves in the mirror, see who we really are, see, stop saying one thing and doing another and represent ourselves like the Lord God wants us to represent. I love you, family. And I hope that this message was clear enough for you to understand it. I, I When I do impromptu things, sometimes it comes out a little bit uh, spotty or, you know, it's imperfect because I'm imperfect. But I hope you were able to get this message about how Queen Vashti, she said no, but how Queen Esther, she said yes to the call of saving her people in a land where where some nars- a narcissist wanted to have all the Jews killed because one man did not bow down to him. And I want to continue on with this story, uh, part two, on what Esther did, what she was faced with when her uncle came to her and told her that her position as queen is is she has enough power to change the world and change and save the lives of their people, the Jewish people who were going where hit was put out for them all to be murdered. I love you, family. In the name of Jesus, let me pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to talk about Queen Vashti and a little bit about Queen Esther. Lord, you are so wonderful, and I want queens of this world to know that they are loved by you, God, in the name of Jesus. We have to stand up, we have to fight, and we have to say no. We have to say no to all this madness that's going on in this world with women and children being raped and murdered and being taken advantage of by misogynists, men who hate women. Okay, men who think they're kings that they can treat us any old kind of way disrespect us any kind of way Father God but in the the New Testament you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to save us from all of this madness and to let us know that no one is better than us and men are no longer allowed to take advantage of us because we are your people and they have got to answer to the abuse that they have caused upon this land. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And I ask that you touch each and every woman in this world, all the women, all the children, that we will grow up and be stronger and know who we are and whose we are. In your name, Jesus Christ, amen. Until then, family, I will go into more of Esther in my next episode. God bless. Hey, hey, good day, everyone. Thank you for joining me. 
Aditi Banks at the table today, and I am continuing my episodes about two very popular queens from the Bible, Queen Vashti and Queen Esther. The reason why I chose to talk about these two queens because it is very important that we know that history repeats itself. And back in the biblical times, these times in those days relate to the world today to a certain extent. And I want to highlight areas of this uh, book that speaks for us women today. We are queens. Whether you know it or not, we are queens. And God placed us here to be a force in this world. We bring children in this world, which is very important. Being a mother, we populate the earth with the help of a man, yes, but we bring forth life to the earth. So this is a very, very powerful mindset to realize at this time in our lives when we bring life to the earth without God giving us the ability to bring life to this earth there would be no life so it starts with us we are queens and the males are kings and we must realize who we are and whose we are as we navigate our way through life now some of us are, are late bloomers and we don't realize how important this conversation is because of our upbringing, uh, circumstance, uh, circumstances that we have had to deal with in our life. And life has had a tendency to beat us down and to take away uh, the value that we have as a woman or as a man. So the book of Esther is a very important book uh, for a woman to read. It's only 10 chapters, but it's powerful and it's controversial because God is not mentioned at all in this book, but God was present the entire time. And he used both queens to carry out the mission that he had for his people. Now, Vashti, I'll do a recap. She was powerful enough to say no to the king because the king wanted her to go before uh, drunken men with only her crown on and a naked body. That means no clothes on. He wasn't thinking because he, he was drunk. And when you're drunk, you're really not in your right mind. And so, um, you know, he had a lot of men around and he was having the feast and and he just felt that he wanted to show off his wife to a bunch of drunken men. And Vashti said, no, um, you know, King um, Xerxes was a narcissist. And, you know, when, what he said went. People bowed down to him. He was a very powerful and rich king. And he, Vashti was his queen. And whatever he said, she was to do. But she had the guts to say no because she knew what would happen to her. Um reputation, her as a woman, and how dangerous it could be uh, to go before men naked. So that's the recap on Vashti. Now, Vashti, now here we are 
we're going to talk about Esther. Now, who was Esther? Her real name was Hadassah, and that is her Jewish name. Hadassah is her Jewish name. But she changed it later on in the chapter to appear as a Persian queen. So she changed her name from Hadassah to Esther. Now, Hadassah, she was an orphan. She was very poor. And when she was very young, she lost her mother and her father. And Mordecai, who is her uncle, he adopted her as his own daughter. Now, let me just reiterate, uh, there's four characters in this book of Esther. There was King Xerxes, there was Queen Vasti, there was Queen Esther, Mordecai, and Haman. So those are four characters in this book that God used uh, to carry out his mission uh, to save his people. And this relates to us in this world and to, do, and to talk about doing the right thing. We must do the right thing. Say no and say yes to God's calling in our life. So when the king had become sober, he had remembered what he had done to Vashti, and he sort of regretted it. But being a narcissist who doesn't have very real feelings, his servants had to minister to him and recommended that there be fair young virgins sought out for the king. And fair in those days meant beautiful. And we call it fine in this day and age. Fine, beautiful, a 10, whatever, whatever the world's standards are for, for being good looking. And the servants had suggested that the king appoint officers in all of the provinces of the kingdom and gather all the beautiful virgins unto the palace, to the house of women, unto the custody of Hege, who was the king's chamberlain and the keeper of all the women. And let their process for purification be given to them. So there was a, they gathered all the virgins together and um, they had them in the palace and they had to go through a purification process. Okay. It's sort of like um, here in this world, there's beauty pageants, casting calls for beauty pageants and actors and actresses. And, and in order to be chosen, you have to um, have what is the qualifications uh, to be chosen. So uh, for a beauty contest, you have to be uh, fit. Most definitely you have to be fit. Your body has to be fit. Uh, you have to be uh, intelligent. Uh, you have to be mentally stable. You have to be uh, beautiful. Most women in the beauty uh, pageant uh, have to be beautiful. It's a requirement. And also, you look at when you become a decide to become a stripper, what the qualifications are and the world standards is to be fit. Um, you don't have to be smart, but, you know, be able to um, do sexual acts in front of male. So this is a, a misogynist world. We live in a world of misogyny and misogynists are men who really hate women. 
Um, they really, they claim to love women, but they really don't. And uh, women, uh, we get used for their pleasures. And so between a narcissist and a misogynist, this is the society that we live in. That's why it's very important that you know who you are and be like Queen Vashti and say no and no more. So in this, with all this, you know, this beauty thing and, and how God um, intervenes in this it, and, and wants us to realize who we are as his daughters, um, he sees the beauty in us and he does not expect us to be perfect. We don't have to be uh, like the world standards, uh, have the perfect body, uh, the, the beauty, perfect beauty, um, be the smartest tool in the drawer. Uh, these things have, you know, is, are not important to God. You know, education doesn't matter. Our status doesn't matter. Where we live doesn't matter. How much income we make, it doesn't matter to God. And God wants us to realize this so that we don't get caught up into the standard of the world um, thinking because the world is of Satan and it's not of God. And so when Mordecai heard about this casting call for all the virgins, Esther was also brought in to the king's house in the custody of Haggai and was the keeper of the women. Now Esther pleased Haggai. He showed her kindness so he hurriedly gave her the things for her purification. Plus he gave her seven maidens from the king's house and preferred Esther and her maids into the best place of the house of women. Let me reiterate. So Esther found favor with Haggai. She showed her kindness and how humble she was. And when she showed this to Haggai, he put her to the front and he started her purification right away. He gave her seven maidens, which came from the king's house, and he preferred Esther and her maidens into the best place of the house of women. So Esther got favor. And the reason why Esther got favor was because she was sweet and she had a humble spirit. On top of being beautiful, God gave her favor. God chose Esther to be the vessel to carry out his mission because she was not only beautiful, but she was humble in spirit. And this is how we as women have to be. We have to be humble and beautiful, not just the internal, not just externally, but internally. Internal beauty is what's important. It starts from the inside. And God will position us to receive favor from people who come into our life. And Esther did not reveal at the time that she was a Jew because her uncle Mordecai had told her not to. And why did he tell her not to? Why? Because most of those women there were Persian 
or Iranian women, and Jewish women were considered the lower class of people. And being um, black, not only black, but dark-skinned, poor, uneducated, um, you don't have a college degree, uh, you know, a lot of black women are put in the lower class. Not just black women, but a lot of women in general, but mainly black women. We have been put into the lower class in order to be accepted as a black woman. Most black women have to be lighter skinned. Uh, you have to uh, look a certain way. We deal with colorism in our uh, country, which is unfortunate. Uh, women are choosing to bleach their skin because being black in this world, being dark-skinned in this world, is not acceptable, and it's considered a lower class. So that's unfortunate because that's where um, we as a woman, we become fake and not who God created us to be because we're trying so hard to please the world standards, okay? Now, Esther had her uncle Mordecai in her life. And Mordecai loved her so much. And when she was chosen, one of the ones that was chosen to go into the palace, Mordecai, every day, he paced back and forth in front of the women's quarters uh, to learn what was going on with his niece, Esther, and how her welfare, about her being concerned about her welfare and what was being done to her every day. And um, each virgin... Um, that was in the palace. Each one, they had to go through beauty treatments for one year before they could even be considered to go before the king. And six months of oil and myrrh and six month, months of perfume and other treatments to beautify uh, these women is what they had to go through. So now when... Um, so what they had to go through. So each woman was given whatever she wanted to take with her to go into the palace to be before the king. So the women, they went into the palace with the king. And by morning, they had to leave and return to the second house of the women, to the custody of uh, Shagaz, Shaskaz, who was the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. And once there, they would not go back to see the king unless he was delighted in her and called for her by name. Okay, you see that? So these women, when they went before the king, the king had slept with them. And when the morning time came, they were kicked out, not kicked out, but put out. And they went to the second house, not to the first house where they started, but they went to the second house and they were considered concubines. So I want you to look up the definition of concubines. Concubine, being a concubine is not a anything positive. Okay, it's how you are viewed as a concubine and not a queen. And so we have a lot of concubines uh, in our society today. And if you look it up, if you look up the word concubine, you'll see what I mean. Now, I, I flash back in time when I was younger. 
And um, many times I've seen it for myself and I, I probably have experienced it myself uh, now that I'm a saved woman and of God. And, and I just remember times of when you dated men a few times and you spent the night with them or they had uh, spent the night with you. And by the morning time, um, they would come up with uh, excuses why they need to leave or you need to leave and and how it made uh, us feel. You know, how does it make you feel when you give up something so precious? You have a wonderful time, a wonderful date with someone, and you decide to cross that line and get intimate with someone because you feel that that someone um, cares for you. You feel safe, and you you feel they put on the glitz and say all the right things, and they're good-looking, and they're they're successful, and they smell good, and, and you feel that it's appropriate to give your body to them. So what happens is you fall into the, the trap of creating that soul tie. And once you depart from that person, how did it make you feel? How did it make you feel? Now, these virgins, they were uh, taken away. And in our case, as a grown woman, young women virgins, you have been robbed of something so precious for probably no more than two minutes of sex and you leave empty, you feel dirty, you feel confused, or you think or you think he cares about you. And you anticipate the next hoping that he will call you again. You wait and you wait because you gave yourself something precious. Something precious that that um God gave us. We wait and we wait. And in the meantime, we're considered a concubine. We're considered a rotation. You're called when you're thought of to get that next moment of pleasure. And you are a part of, you know, the rotation. And you don't realize you're part of a rotation. Men have a rotation. And he is spending time with others. And you are just waiting and waiting because now you have created this soul tie, which is a powerful spirit that has taken over you. So some women, they react in a way of chasing them down and wondering why they haven't called you and why they haven't um, wanted to spend time with you. And this causes you to feel insecure about yourself. This is where it starts. This is it. Once you create a soul tie. And you thought someone cared more for you than what they actually did because sex to a man is just sex. Most men are narcissists and most men put you through a test and they see just how far they can get with you. And once you give in, they consider you a concubine. And if they date you, trust you me, they will bring that up in your relationship what you did with them because you didn't hold out and you thought something that wasn't a reality. Now, when it came to Esther, though, when it came her time, became her time to go before the king, she requested nothing from Haggai. Um, but by her um, obtaining favor in his sight for all who saw her. So, 
here uh, is where God was at work with Esther. And Esther, she didn't have to go through that one year of purification. She went in at 10 months because she had favor with Haggai. And he had given her maidens and servants. And, and during her 10 months, the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, Tebeth men, means good, goodness, the 10th month of the Hebrews. So God was preparing her as he does us before he sends us out into the world to accomplish his mission, not our mission. Okay, God gives us salvation. He gives us salvation, the opportunity to get salvation because we were born in sin, in inequity. And when you're born in sin, we must be born again. And when you're a little girl, you don't understand that. That's not for us to understand until we are able to read and fellowship with others to learn about what salvation is and salvation is when we repent of our sins and what we have done that is not pleasing to God in our life and more than likely you know we all have fallen short of the glory of God and we have sinned but when we go before him and ask for salvation he will give us salvation and it's like being born again. So we start fresh. All our sins have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Okay. And we acknowledge that. We know that uh, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So that we can receive salvation. And that Jesus died on the third day. After his death. And he rose from the grave. And his spirit still lives within us. And we, we, we ask Jesus to come into our heart. We, we ask for forgiveness. So we ask the Lord to forgive us for our sins. And we ask Jesus to come into our heart. And so once we ask Jesus to come into our heart, then we have received salvation. And so now we move on being a new creature and we're not perfect we have to work on these things um, it's hard to get rid of things that are embedded in us and things that we have been doing and it's hard but the Lord knows our heart and we have to try to give our best to the Lord amen and so um, getting back to Esther uh, Esther walks in um, in front of the king and the king he loved her more than all of the women and she obtained favor in his sight. So he set his royal crown upon her head and made her queen versus Vashti. Now, how did this happen? First of all, she was beautiful to the eyes. Yes, she did give up her virginity. But in the middle of all this, she showed a humble spirit. And the beauty that she had within her is what made the king choose her. And that's how we are chosen by God is our heart, our spirit. And when, when our heart has been changed, 
and we have the Spirit of Christ, we're ready. We are ready. He has prepared us. We have, we have given our life to Christ. He has prepared us for our King. Not only just God, Jesus, the King, but for our mate in life. And if we wait on God and let God purify us to get us prepared for the king that he wants to send us, not the king that we think that we want, but the king that God has chosen for us. And so God, he he needed to use uh, Vashti for a very large task. And there are many women like Esther who God gave favor. Now, you may have been poor, broken down, uneducated, And the world has casted you out and said that you weren't smart enough. You weren't rich enough. Your background wasn't enough. God seen you his way. And he has given you favor and an opportunity to be in a situation that could take you out of poverty. And provide you with wisdom over a four to eight year degree. You live the life of luxury. You can buy anything, go anywhere. God uses ordinary people, the lowly, the ones whose heart is beautiful and kind. Now, in chapter 2, verse 18, the king made a great feast. The feast of Esther for all his officials and the servants and proclaimed a holiday in the provinces in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. And as Mordecai still sat in the king's gate, two of the chamberlains that kept the door were very angry during about this feast and because uh, the king chose uh, Esther and planned to lay, and they planned to lay hands on the king and to kill him. But when Mordecai got wind of the plot, he told Esther about this. And Esther told the king what Mordecai had told her about the plot to kill King Xerxes. So the king had the chamberlains hung on a tree. And it was written in the book of Chronicles before the king. Now God is at work right here again. Now he is using Mordecai, the Jew, to carry out his mission by using him to save the king's life by telling Esther there was a plot to kill him. God will use people to come into your life or allow you to see for yourself inequity, systemic racism, hatred, division among his people. Poverty, gerrymandering, gentrification, etc. And Mordecai, he was protecting the king who was in town, who was in turn, was protecting his niece Esther so they could carry out his mission that he has placed on them to do. So see, God uses us and gives us the power to say no, he gives us favor with beauty amongst us and strength within us to fight inequity, 
systemic racism, the hatred that's in our world, division that's among us, poverty that's among us, gerrymandering that's among us, gentrification that's among us. Just like he used Mordecai and Esther, God uses us the same way. So it's important to use our voices and use the favor of God to stand up and do the right thing. Amen. Now in chapter 3, the king decides to promote Haman, who is a narcissist. Narcissists choose narcissists who hated Jews. And, and, and Haman, he was a hater. He was a hater of Jews, just like people in the world do not like blacks. People who hate black people and brown people. This is the spirit of Haman. And um, the king advanced him and, and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. The king demanded that all of the servants bow down to him. But Mordecai was a Jew and he did not, nor did he recognize him to be of royalty. So the servants asked Mordecai, why don't you acknowledge Haman as the king's commandment? And they asked him why every day that he didn't bow down to Haman or acknowledge him. And they told Haman, to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand for Mordecai and had told them that he didn't bow down. Mordecai told them that he didn't bow down to honor, um, bow down or honor Haman because he was a Jew. Okay? Now, Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman or any human because he didn't want to betray his allegiance to the king of kings, the God to the Jewish people. And bowing down to a man is a form of idolatry. Okay, powerful message. Okay, this message is for us today because we are not to bow down or idolize anything other than God. People have idols that we don't even realize, but some of us do. Anything that we worship more than God is an idol. Money, jobs, people, um, pastors, bishops, bosses, managers, rappers, singers, actors. All things and people that we worship and honor creates jealousy to our Lord and Savior. God, God and his jealousy is nothing like human jealousy. It's nothing like it. You don't want to God to be jealous. It's a, it's a type of jealousy that is so powerful. And when you read the word of God, or if you don't read the word of God, you never put anything or anyone before God. Okay? We put people on pedestals who are in high places because um, a narcissist demands that people bow down to them. So you have narcissist women, you have narcissist men, and they are in leadership positions and they, they uh, threaten and bully and use and be, abuse their power. So people idolize them because they don't want, uh, uh, you know, 
they don't know who God really is and, and they're scared uh, that the person could jeopardize their status, their friendship, their positions, their cliques, their marriage, their relationships, etc. And Mordecai, he did not care because he knew that God was a king of kings and lord of lords. He was a king of the Jews and he knew that this narcissist, narcissist uh, Haman would come after him for not bowing down to him. And it's it's real talk, you know, dealing with narcissists and um, dealing with uh, people who uh, think that they are above everybody and they have so much power. They have a tendency to threaten us, to make us afraid of them. And in this misogynist uh, society that we live in, um, it's very prominent. If you notice uh, how men have... Um, taking advantage of many, many, many young girls and women uh, in the workplace, uh, every area of our lives. I mean, I don't care where in, in churches you can go. You see people who use their power to take advantage of women. And um, that's why it's important to have the spirit of Vashti and say no, recognize it, and say no, no more. So um, after about a year of this uh, position, uh, for Esther and Mordecai refusing to bow down to Haman. Haman went to the king with a lie, okay? And he told the king that there was a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all of the provinces of his kingdom and their laws are diverse from all people and not for his gain. And he then asked the king to let it be written that they may be destroyed and that he will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those who have the charge of the businesses to bring it into the king's treasures. So Haman, by him hating the Jews, because he had seen something different in them and the world hates people who love God. And sincerely from the heart, they love Jesus. Look on our jobs and in organizations, even churches. People will hate you when you have the light of Christ. They will come up against you with lies and deceptions. And I mean it. Trust you me. Look at how we black and brown people are treated in this world with so much hate and deception. With, with uh, The devil hates goodness. The devil hates the light. The devil is dark and Jesus is light. So when you carry upon you the light of Christ, you do the right thing. You say the right thing. You act according to um, the way Jesus was. You have a light about you. You're happy. You smile. You're positive. People hate you. And when you have light and people hate you, you know, you're going to come up against them. Okay, and this is a reality of our life. So this king, he takes off his ring and he gives it to Haman, the hater. And the letters go out to all the provinces to destroy and kill and to cause the perish of all Jews and take the spoil of them for a prey in the it, for a prey 
in the day. This letter was published to all people and they are anticipating this horrible day. Okay. All right. I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to do a part two. Uh, And I'm going to talk about what happens next after the letter went out to all the provinces to kill all the Jews and what happened. I'm going to build this case so you'll see where I'm coming from in the end and what's about to happen. So stay tuned for part two of the book of excuse me of the book of Esther when the letter went out to kill all of the Jews just like what we are going through today the killing of black people the killing of our boys our young our youth the um, systemic racism of black women losing their children when they're carrying their babies how the world has destroyed or is destroying the brown and the black people. So stay tuned.